Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Do you ever wonder if forgetting where you put your keys, not being able to remember someone's name, or sometimes walking in a room and forgetting what you got in there for is concerning? Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about when memory changes can be just related to getting older, maybe multitasking, or maybe a sign of something more serious like dementia. Is all dementia Alzheimer's? Not the case. Why is it important to get a correct diagnosis in order to help figure out what the therapeutic options are? So today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Corey Liao. He is the founder and head of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, one of the only comprehensive memory evaluation centers here in the islands, specifically one that does clinical trials that are looking at some of the latest in therapeutics. So thank you for joining me today on The Body Show, Dr. Leo. My pleasure. So, you know, I see people come to my office regularly, and, you know, they say, oh, no, do I have a serious problem? I can't remember names. And sometimes it comes to me a while later. But, you know, I meet somebody I've known for years, and their name just escapes me, or something about them escapes them. And they ask if this is a sign of a serious memory concern. What sorts of things can we expect as we get older? And when does it move into the category of concern? That's a great question, Dr. Kozak. As you know that uh, many older adults worry about the memory and other thinking abilities. Uh, You know, is my memory loss just normal aging or is it something more serious? You know, so what's normal forgetfulness and what's not? You know, what is the difference between normal age-related forgetfulness and a serious memory problem like Alzheimer's dementia? You know, so those are great questions and questions that I... I have the pleasure of um, uh, dealing with every day in a memory clinic. And uh, so here's a couple of things to uh, keep in mind. You know, there is a big difference between normal aging and Alzheimer's disease or something more serious. For example, normal aging is making a bad decision once in a while, while Alzheimer's disease is making poor judgment and decisions a lot of the time or all of the time. Normal aging is kind of like missing a monthly payment. You know, sometimes you forget your Netflix or your, you know, it's kind of missing a monthly payment once in a while, while Alzheimer's disease is problems taking care of monthly bill. You know, normal aging is forgetting which day it is and kind of remembering it later. I mean, we all do that, right, Dr. Kozak? Oh, you know, today is the 30th or the 29th or, you know, and, and but you, you eventually figure out while Alzheimer's disease is losing track of the date or time of the year altogether, you know. So there are really significant differences between normal aging and Alzheimer's disease, you know, that we, uh, uh, that we deal with, we tease out, you know, and we have a great, uh, we always like to talk with not just a patient, but also uh, involve their family members, you know, asking the family, so what, what do you think? What, what kind of memory uh, uh, problems are you concerned with with mom or dad, you know, and usually, you know, with the family approach, uh, we usually come to a pretty good decision, and obviously that leads to the next step, testing, and obviously uh, teasing out different types of 
memory loss? Is this normal aging memory loss? Or is it something more serious? If it's more serious, what kind of dementia it is? As you know, there's a big difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, and there are other types of dementia and teasing them out. So uh, it, is, it, is such a, it is such a delight for us to, to be able to uh, be engaged and uh, you know, talk with these patients and, and help them sorting it out. So it sounds like initially <clears throat> part of what you're looking at is the severity of the the issues that are brought up either by the patient themselves or astutely by their family members. And so if it's mild and it's infrequent and it's occasional, that might have a different level of concern than if this is a regular, habitual, progressive type of a problem. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. So uh, usually... Um, you know, the family members are really good about giving us clues. You know, uh, for example, normal aging would be forgetting which word to use once in a while. While Alzheimer's disease or Alzheimer's dementia would be at trouble having a conversation. Normal mm-hmm. aging is losing things from time to time, which we all do. You know, where did I leave my glasses? But eventually you find it. You know, you go back, oh, there, that's where it is. That's where I left my keys. But in Alzheimer's disease, it's misplacing things often and or putting them in the wrong place, putting the keys in the refrigerator, for example, or, or making very, very serious uh, 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 problem like leaving the stove on. You know, for, the, for example, this morning, one of my patients uh, tells me that they forgot to put the brakes on in the car. Those are serious things, you know. So oh, yes, those again. Are taken, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and there are also other clues that we look at. For example, patients who have uh, patients who have more serious things. They often are very good at about kind of like, you know, uh, getting away with it. You would ask them what day it is. They say, oh, I don't work anymore. I'm retired. I don't need to know those dates. Those are typical answers that I get. So, but you know what? Dr. Kozak, I've been doing I, I've been doing this for thirty years, and I'm pretty good at sorting this out. And and <laughs> and, and and you know, uh, but there are certain patterns, there are certain uh, flavors, um, you know, patients present, and um, you know, and and we, we we love to involve the family members. They really give us wonderful clues. Usually, in more serious cases, it's the family that are more concerned, while the patient are not concerned. You know, when a patient themselves are uh, uh, overly concerned, that's actually a good sign to us. That means that, okay, maybe. And, and besides the sorting them out from normal, from something more serious, our next job is also to sorting out things that are reversible. For example, there are hormonal abnormalities like with thyroid or vitamin deficiencies, dietary, vitamin uh, deficiencies that could cause memory loss. So part of our job is to really going in and doing some blood work, you know, um, doing some some looking for things that are reversible. For example, last week I saw a patient who came in with memory loss and also uh, having imbalance and also having incontinence. You know, those are the three signs of a condition that is definitely treatable and reversible condition called normal pressure hydrocephalus, you know, uh, so it does involve making the right diagnosis, getting the MRI, and eventually putting a shunt in that patient, you know, uh, that will eventually normalize the pressure due to excessive collection of fluid in the brain. So part of our job is also to really look for 
not just Alzheimer's dementia or dementia that's incurable, but also to look for reversible causes of memory loss. Well, you brought up a really good point, which is family members often will be the ones to notice or show some concern. And the person who might have the true memory problem might confabulate, you know, oh, I don't need to know the date. I'm on vacation or I'm retired. And so they might not have the insight to know there's a problem, but really getting that family dynamic and understanding the information from additional members is also really an important key. You mentioned part of the idea of trying to find reversible causes. So the first thing that someone should do if they or their family are concerned about memory issues would probably be to talk to their primary care provider and start doing some little what we call mini mental status exams or doing something to document where they're at. At what point does someone need to come to to a place like yours, a comprehensive memory center, a neuroscience institute? When would the trigger be that, okay, we've got to do something even further? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question, Dr. Kozak. Yes, uh, you know, we all go through normal memory changes as we get older. You know, one, one of the things that I always, uh, uh, luckily, some of, the, some of the times I get to tell patients that, look, everything is okay. What you're undergoing is just normal cognitive aging changes. You know, the brain does uh, get a little bit slower, does retrieve information a little bit slower, does store less information. For example, Dr. Kozak, when I, when, I give, uh, when I give you, for example, 10 things to go to Footland to get, you don't need to write it down. But if I go to Footland, to, my wife gives me 10 things to get, I need to write it down because I'm older. And, and that's okay. And a younger person have a bigger capacity, and uh, they have a quicker uh, capacity to, to pull the memory, consolidate the memory, and pull them out. And, and that's totally okay. And also on the MRI, there are some mild changes, mild shrinking of the brain. That's totally okay, you know. Uh, but here is um, some of the uh, um, uh, uh, signs uh, when we should really uh, uh, seek help. You know, um, one of the early signs is um, memory loss that disrupt daily life. You know, when asking the same questions over and over again. Or getting familiar places, you know, getting lost. You know, they've drove this, perhaps they've drove to, uh, to, to, to uh, Footland 10, many, many years, and wow, how come dad doesn't know how to drive there? You know, or um, uh, forgetting uh, recent conversation, forgetting recent events. You know, that's one sign. Another sign is challenges in planning or solving problem. You know, kind of like they cannot keep track of the monthly bills. And it's taking longer for them to do things that should be familiar with them, you know, forgetting how to use the remote control, you know. The third thing is difficulty completing uh, familiar tasks, you know, like organizing a grocery list, uh, grocery list you know, or getting lost uh, driving to a familiar location. And, and those things uh, are, are familiar to them, and suddenly it, it's like, wow, what happened? You should know this. And another sign is confusion with time or place. You know, uh, people with uh, uh, Alzheimer's dementia 
often uh, forget where they are and how they got there. You know, they would be like, how did I get here? You know, uh, um, how do I get home? You know, uh, it's, it's one thing to forget where you leave your car, but it's another thing forgetting how to get home, you know. Forgetting where um, to drive it. You got it. I'm Dr. Kathleen yeah. Kosak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here learning a lot about memory loss and what to expect and when it's not what we should expect. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Corey Liao from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, and we're going to continue to talk about what happens when you do get referred to see a memory expert and what sort of testing you might want to expect. We'll be right back after this real quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we're talking about memory loss and when it becomes serious enough to be considered dementia. I have Dr. Corey Liao. He is the founder and expert at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience in all things related to memory. And right before the break, we were distinguishing the difference between some usual changes and then when it gets serious. So, Dr. Liao, once somebody is starting to have the memory loss that, like you said, disrupts daily life, uh, maybe results in them forgetting familiar places or not being able to complete problem-solving tasks, maybe forgetting where they are, confusion. They may get referred to someone like yourself, who is an expert in the field of neurology and also has, as you mentioned, three decades of experience talking with people about memory. What sorts of things might someone expect if they were referred to you? What sort of testing do you standardly do, and what might they anticipate? Well, thank you, Dr. Jose. One of the one of the privileges that we have really here at the Memory Clinic is um, uh, just to really sit down, um, and one of our real privileges to really getting to know the patient, not just the, the patient themselves, but also their family. It's so important to know their background. For example, one of the basic questions I would like to find out from my patient is, what did you retire from? What were you before? Because the cognitive ability, you know, before all of this happened is so important. Somebody who has a higher cognitive uh, reserve, they're going to, um, you know, they're going to lose that ability slower, and it's going to take a longer time for anything to be detected. And the family also, getting the family to give their input uh, is, is such a critical because they give such valuable input. You know, like I mentioned, sometimes the patient themselves are in maybe in a denial, maybe an expert in, in, in trying to cover up, you know, the gaps, you know, in the memory. Uh, they're becoming so good at it. They would say, oh, I don't need to know what day it is today, whether it's Monday or Tuesday. I, I, I retired. I don't, I don't need to know what time it is, you know, and they can't even read the clock. They can't even read the time. They're becoming really good at masking the symptoms. So one of the privileges that we get to do is just to know the patient, 
where the baseline is, where they come from, and the families uh, before we launching into doing some of the more usual tests, a blood test, um, you know, looking at vitamins, their hormones. And the next, next test that we usually like to do is looking at the MRI of the brain because the MRI gives the structure of the brain looking at whether the shrinking of the brain, obviously in ruling out other conditions like a stroke, tumor, or other reversible trivial condition like normal pressure hydrocephalus, you know, which is too much fluid in the brain. You know, and then uh, we also looked at uh, tests like EEG, which give us a good idea of uh, how the brain cells are functioning. Memories are formed in the brains by synapses, uh, by the neurons talking to each other. The EEG gives us a good idea of how strong the signals are. And uh, so we do a variety of testing, you know, to, to make sure that uh, we cover uh, looking into a variety of reasons because it is so important that uh, we don't miss anything. Yeah, I often find that everyone's big worry when they first come in with memory concerns is, do I have dementia? But sometimes we forget about, as you mentioned earlier, some of those other reversible causes. And in fact, not all dementia is the same. So you mentioned before vitamin deficiencies and possibly even things like thyroid problems or other sorts of situations like strokes or even brain tumors, things that could also affect memory, some of which may be reversible, some may not. But if you do find that there's something there that requires additional treatment and investigation, it might mean that you start off and your only symptom is memory, but it turns out you maybe have had multiple strokes, and so there are ways to try and prevent that from continuing or hopefully from having more effects on the brain. Do you find that of the folks that get referred to you, the majority of them have a memory issue as the primary issue, or do you find a certain percentage of those that have these other reversible or other identifiable causes where memory is the manifestation of another primary illness? Well, uh, fortunately, um, or unfortunately, uh, you know, most of the cases when they get to us, uh, rather, um, you know, rather late, uh, or at least there is significant um, deterioration, um, you know, in the condition, in or severe enough to warrant, you know, uh, people rarely seek care early on when there are, um, you know, more therapeutic options or the windows of intervention and uh, reversing certain conditions are. are more prominent people rarely seek care i mean i mean who would want to go to a memory clinic if they don't have memory problem you know so um so unfortunately uh, most of the cases that come to us do um actually end up you know having uh, a diagnosis that uh either point towards a alzheimer's dementia which is by far you know a common diagnosis and or vascular dementia uh, or malcognitive impairment you know, uh, but it is extremely gratifying when we, um, just like last week, we we uh, were able to diagnose a normal pressure hydrocephalus, um, you know, or we were able to diagnose uh, somebody who is just simply having a depression or what we call pseudo-dementia, you know, uh, we were able to sort things out. Uh, occasionally, we, we, for example, today, I saw some uh, another 
person who came in referred for memory loss, and it turns out that he has symptoms of Parkinson's. You know, he had a mass face, he had the bradykinesia, he had the cognitive. So uh, it turns out to have some other form of neurodegenerative disease. So, um, so one of the privilege that we have is to uh, be sure that we sort those things out, you know, and also to rely on uh, our other colleagues. We do have, um, you know, Parkinson's neurologists, and to 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 use other testing, you know, if we suspect Parkinson's, we send them for that scan, you know, to, to use other testing to to make sure that um, you know the the diagnoses are accurate. You know, uh, also about a month ago, we had another patient who came in with just Specifically, very, very clear-cut short-term memory turned out that the patient had a temporal lobe epilepsy, you know, uh, and, and that affected the hippocampus. Uh, you know, so those are, um, in some ways, fortunate we're able to find something to treat, you know. Uh, and then, but unfortunately, for the majority of cases, the cases are uh, towards Alzheimer's dementia or mild cognitive impairment, neurovascular dementia, which un- which is unfortunate. In, in the later stages, yes. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come back after this real quick break, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Corey Liao from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience about who are the team members that help to make up his dementia team of experts and what are the different ways that we can help one another if people do identify that a loved one has a memory issue. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we're talking with Dr. Corey Liao today of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And right before the break, you mentioned that there's a team of folks that you work with. You mentioned there's a Parkinson's neurologist expert, and there's other members of your team that you work collaboratively with, which is one of the ideal aspects of what you've provided here in the islands for for a memory clinic, is that it's not just one person. It's, it's a group of folks. Who's on that team? Oh, thank you, Dr. Kozak. We are we are so fortunate to have um, you know just wonderful team members here. Um, one 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 particular team members that I am uh, like to uh, highlight is Dr. Paul Smith, who is uh, one uh, one of few board certified lifestyle physician. Uh, as you know, that a condition like Alzheimer's dementia often have not doesn't have a cure or anything. So one of the things that we would really, uh, we put a lot of emphasis on is at least in preventive or uh, slowing down the progression. And uh, this is actually, there's good evidence, at least on so many fronts and uh, so many to, to suggest that things like changing the diet, uh, lifestyle changes, uh, exercise, um, and even changing the sleep and changing the metabolism of the brain uh, can uh, affect the progression of Alzheimer's disease. So we are very fortunate to have somebody like Dr. Paul Smith, who directs our self-care wellness center. Uh, to uh, it's it's almost natural progression once the diagnosis is made to uh, to involve bring Dr. Paul Smith on board. Um, one of the things that we emphasize is uh, not just 
for the patient to come in for the uh, the consultation on the lifestyle, but to bring the family because they all eat together, right, Dr. Kozak? You can't just cook for one person, and 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 so uh, and then we. The nice thing is we see the whole family changes their diet for the better, you know, uh, involved in exercise, losing weight and stop smoking, you know, stop the cutting down the alcohol consumption, uh, you know, getting better sleep. Uh, so those are all such gratifying um, uh, opportunities that we get to intervene. So uh, really, really, um, we're really, really very fortunate to have Dr. Paul Smith. And once someone has a diagnosis, sometimes they want to know a little bit about therapeutics, what can be done. So in addition to the excellent idea of taking a look at sleeping habits and looking at changes in diet and exercise and social interaction and all of those sorts of things that we know are the mainstay, even if you get a diagnosis, these things help your brain, they help your heart, they help your whole body. When people start talking about therapeutics, there's a lot of question in the medical community about the efficacy of various different treatments. But in general, there's currently some medication out there, and it's available in some cases through clinical trials. That's something else they have an opportunity to learn about when they go to Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, because the only clinical trial site in the state for some of the dementia trials happens to be yours. Well, thank you, Dr. Kozak. I, you know, it's really teamwork. We, we're very fortunate to have the support of so many uh, wonderful doctors and researchers and the opportunity to work with so many um, uh, wonderful organizations on the mainland. And uh, thanks to our community support, we this, this has been an uh, an opportunity for us to bring this to the island so our patients um, on the island doesn't have to travel to the mainland. So let me start with just uh, the approved treatment, which is uh, you know what we call cognitive enhancers. That's approved for Alzheimer's dementia, which is by far the most common dementia. You know, so we have um, them in three different categories: the choline esterase inhibitors, donepezil, rivastatin, and galantamine. You know, uh, those are indicated for mild to moderate dementia. You know, and then we have the uh, momentin or amanda, which are indicated for moderate to severe. Uh, a disease that comes in both oral uh, tablets and oral solution. Uh, and you have the combination of donepezil and momentum, which is namzaric, uh, indicated for moderate to severe disease, uh, extend release capsules. So the way that I, uh, you know, uh, approve medicines is, is really a mainstay of treatment and patients do opt for it, you know, but I do make sure that they understand that it is cognitive enhancers. It's not in any way disease-modifying, which is the keyword or DMT, disease-modifying therapy. You know, so uh, we, when we talk about clinical research or clinical trials or some of the new treatments that are being uh, approved recently by FDA, uh, those are what we hope to be disease-modifying or disease uh, um, those are the um, and those are broken down into different categories as well. Uh, when we're talking about DMT or disemolifying therapy, it could be working on amyloid, um, you know, one of the main proteins that is uh, outside the neurons, or it works on tau proteins, you know, which are intra inside the neurons. That disease-modifying therapies that works on synaptic plasticity or neuroprotection. The disemolifying therapy that works on oxidative stress. Or, like you mentioned earlier, gut-brain axis, or metabolism, or inflammation. You know, so there are disease-modifying therapies that are in different categories, and 
Uh, we uh, over here at uh, Memory Center at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience and Alzheimer's Research uh, Unit, we're very fortunate to have uh, right now currently have at least seven different options uh, working on amyloid, tau, uh, metabolism, as well as synaptic plasticity uh, options. You know, all the way from uh, early studies from phase one, all the way to phase four or post-approval, like the uh, Aduham or Aducanumab that we uh, offer. You know, uh, as you know, Aducanumab was approved two years ago. We're offering it an IV infusion, monthly infusion. So uh, we're very fortunate, and um, we uh, we would love to help as many people as possible. Well, I certainly want to thank you for helping us this evening. Dr. Corey Leo from Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience talking about what are some of the ways that we can find out if memory is an issue, but also access some of the clinical trials for some of the medications that are available. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org and follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Thank you, Dr. Liao, for sharing your expertise with us today. And you can continue to hear us every Monday. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk more about how to stay healthy and well right here on The Body Show. See you then. Woo!